Hello and welcome to Tracks. I'm Tim. And I am Harry. And welcome to episode number 69 of Tracks. Less of that. Sexy, sexy. Yoink, yoink. I can't think of any words, Tim. I'm just saying wow. things. Oh, boop, boop, boop. What's that? I feel very sorry for all your lady friends if your idea of sexy is sexy, sexy, yoink, yoink. <laughs> <laughs> boop, boop, boop. <laughs> but anyway, um, don't worry, listeners. This is not a blue episode. Harry may have mm. bad things on his mind due to the episode number, but we're not going there. We're going somewhere much more interesting, much more exciting and something that we have much less idea about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's a, certainly a funny episode. I mean, it's a delve into uh, the depths of our knowledge and maybe some things are a bit sparse. Who knows? All we can say is we really hope you enjoy it and we thank you so much for tuning in this week. We love you for it. As always, Harry, where will we see them? We're going to see them on that flip side. Shall we begin? Let's begin now. You alright, mate? Hello there, Tim. How's it going? It's uh, it's pretty it's pretty good, thank you. <laughs> funny good. How are you? I'm really good. I'm really, really good. I'm good. really, really, really well. <laughs> good, a good. Oh, ah. oh, <laughs> um, yeah. How's your week been? It's been nice, I think. Uh, I can't remember what's happened. It's it's been good. You went into hiding, is what happened. Did I? Yeah, a little bit. Last what? time we recorded was Friday. Uh, we recorded Friday night, we went out a little bit, I crashed and got really tired. I mean, it was quite late at this point, it's fine. Um, it's like half nine. No, it wasn't half nine. No, it so wasn't, listeners, it wasn't at all. It was gone the hour of midnight. <laughs> um, I, yeah, would have gone out on Saturday, but didn't. Was pretty happy, just chilling. That's a barbecue on Sunday, bit of football. Football's back now yeah not quite officially but nearly 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 um and work's been pretty tough but in a really nice way Mm. very busy but it's like i'm liking this busyness you're like a real man i'm a human yeah that's good yeah uh how about you uh good i'm Um, gonna already guess crazy antics at the weekend crazy antics well it was tiredness at the early week yeah, it was Pride at the weekend, listeners, here in Brighton. Uh, so Harry was meant to come out, and he's still wearing the Pride wristband, which is all a little bit bizarre because he... Because uh, I'm proud of yeah. the people out there still. Yeah, but just couldn't be bothered to Showing get out support. of your pants. and It's not that. Well, not right. out of your pants, that would have been a strange... Um, I had to edit over the weekends. Sort of. I had to. <laughs> <laughs> Nonsense. But yeah, I was out, uh, like you say, Friday we had... The lovely uh, boys from Italia 90 in the studio uh, and went out for a couple of drinks with them afterwards. Hopefully your, our listeners at home have enjoyed that episode. I think it's a really good one. Yeah. Lovely uh, interview. Good little insight. Uh, went out with them afterwards. And I think because, well, I, I, I'm not going to make excuses. I was drunk. Um, oh, yeah. Everyone's pretty drunk. Yeah. I was drunk. I mean, we got through, what, four, 40 cans or 20 cans? 20 cans. 20 cans. Of Stella Artrois. Actually, that's not many between four, is it? No, well, it's five each. I think I I probably dropped all your viewer averages down because I'd had quite a lot by the time you guys arrived. Uh, I I had two others as well, so seven. Yeah. Oh, it's a challenge. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then a couple of pints out. Definitely a couple of pints out because they made me buy two pints. Um, Blimey. So, yeah. Uh, And then went into Pride on Saturday, which 
was, as you would expect, quite messy. But street parties, parades, glitter, just happiness, rainbow flags everywhere. And uh, I felt very, very lucky and excited by what a beautiful, liberal, uh, accepting place we live in. Um, As much as Pride has in some ways, some people were saying that it kind of lost the kind of emphasis on what it's really about. I just thought, do you know what? Everyone, I saw no animosity what between people. What do they think people. it's become? Well, it's just become a big party, party. hasn't it? Yeah. And it was, you know, it was a bit that. And there was I know like, some people that go to it because of that. Yeah, not really pay attention to the other stuff, which I think is a real shame, but there's no real way of stopping that. And I saw, I felt a lot of positive energy about the cause as well. So Good. Um a beautiful, beautiful event. I uh, did that on Saturday and on Sunday. Did it? Did a two-dayer of Pride. Mental, mate. So, a bit of a Madden. A bit of a Madden... 99. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we could have said any date, but we struggled. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but very, very enjoyable. Very, very enjoyable indeed. Um, and I'm delighted to be here today recording a podcast on a wednesday i'm <laughs> going up on a wednesday on a wednesday um so we really let's get into it let's music get into it is what we're all about we do talk about that sometimes yeah so have you got a highlight harry i do have a highlight and i'm very excited to talk to boo boo i'm very excited to talk about this good uh, because it's kind of popped up from nowhere um i guess if you Follow, well, I'm just going to have to say it. I always do this. I go into it without saying anything. Yeah. Um, So basically, Orlando Weeks of the Maccabees is dropping a self-written, self-illustrated, as far as I know, Mm -hmm. book on the 7th of September called The Gritter Man. The Gritter Man. Accompanied by an album... uh, which is narrated by the actor and comedian Paul Whitehouse. Um, and I'm really excited for this. We've had one song that, her, well, one song that's been uh, kind of released. Um, and if you go on the website, you can find another one called Chimes. What is the website? Uh, OrlandoWeeks.co.uk. Nice. He has promoted.com and it doesn't work. So. Learn from us. It is .co.uk. Um, no problem, Orlando. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll give them the real website. Um, <laughs> so what I was going to say earlier is if you followed his Instagram for a while, he's he's kind of put up these illustrations, and I've just thought they were like little just things he's done. Doodles he's always, and that. Yeah, he's always been doing doodles. He's always drawing. Um, he, I think he was an art graduate. I don't know if he did graduate. I'm sure he did. That was when they were, I think that was when they were in uh, yeah. Brighton. Let's say yes. Um, yes. And I'm really excited with this. He has released a kind of side project before, while he was still with the Maccabees, which I have mentioned on the podcast before. It's Young Colossus, which is kind of like a little book of his illustrations with like five or six, I think it's five tracks. That's There's no narration in that, but it is a little story book. Um, but this one's a full-on book published by penguin i believe um and it looks really cute it does see i've ordered my copy already it looks a little bit like the snowman kind of thing yeah that's That's straight away my vibe from this especially when hearing the song as well 
Um, yeah, I've ordered mine off Amazon, hardback. Uh, you might get a CD with it, but I'm not entirely sure. Blimey. But it's one of those things that I just... A lot of stuff... I was looking at some shirts and T-shirts and stuff, and I think I got like six, and it was about £50, and I was like, oh, I don't want to spend money on it. Whereas with this, I just... I just bought it straight away just without it even down. looking like I have to have this. Wiped it down like there's no tomorrow. I whacked it down. Nice. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's a really nice looking book. I'm really excited to hear from him. Um, the song itself is stunning. I had to, I think we, I listened, we were both listening to our highlights a little bit a minute ago and I just listened to the whole thing and it was just, I just I've listened to it so many times now and you kind of lose yourself in it. It's a yeah. wonderful little story. Yeah. Um, so the story is kind of, it's about the Gritter Man. Um, and I've got a few little pieces here that he's said. Um, so I'm going to say those again. Are you going to do his voice? Oh, a lot of people work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can do his singing voice, but I can't do his talking. But I'm not going to sing it. So he says, uh, a lot of people's work goes unrecognised. Uh, and this is one of those jobs where that's the case. To just go about your business and not need thanks is a very attractive quality and he finds comfort in that sense of purpose. So he's talking about his character in this. Mm. Um, the Gritter Man is kindly and light-hearted but stoic at the same time and Paul was able to strike that balance perfectly. Funny but thoughtful, he's been a joy to work with. And that is about Paul. Oh, House. I was going to say. Um, Paul, not the character. Um, <laughs> not the Gritter Man. The Gritter Man has been a joy to work with. <laughs> Not giving me a spot of bother. I mean, you you mentioned the other day when we talked about this that he, that in the kind of, I think it was the press release or whatever it was, that um, we think it's about the Maccabees. I think it's autobiographical, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Um, yeah. And there's a few things that I kind of sent to you and to various other people who are very much huge Maccabees fans. One was where he said this is a story about stoicism, dignity, and a man leaving behind the work he loves, which is obviously, you know, Sounds a little bit like uh, leaving behind the Maccabees. Yeah. Um, and then even more so from a further press release, it said, uh, the turning point comes early in the narrative when the local council writes to tell mm. the Gritterman that his services are no longer required. After this revelation, we follow our hero into the final night of doing the job that he loves. Yeah. Which sounds very much to me like the Maccabees' last ever gig at yeah. Ali Pali. Um, so this is a book about that night that we spent there. Yeah, I think um, so. Um, I mean, obviously, it will go into a narrative and a story about you know the subject it's talking about, and the song I've heard is a really beautiful um, snippet about this man's life and leaving somebody behind who's passed away. And there's obviously going to be elements that we might think might be about certain things, and it it might very well be. But it's like a song; you you yeah. can take things. Um, in different ways and you can kind of interpret them however you like really but uh i'm really excited to get this so 7th of september is when it's released you can go out and get it um and you can get it on release day i think um please do it's it's wonderful you you will be able to stream the story as well uh so that is definitely going out there but if you want the illustrations in the book you've got to buy that I, i think it's something we all need I think so. Um, so I'm going to play a little bit of The Gritter Man, uh, written by Orlando Weeks. Sung by Orlando Weeks. I miss the sound of you calling. 
little thing is uh, it was Penguin and Particular Books which is what that's released on uh, but yeah cool that's mine done with Tim highlight please lovely well mine is kind of very different in that it's essentially about tackling something which is a big issue in our world right now the word I'm going to throw out there is Islamophobia mm-hmm. we're going there how do you feel about that let's go with it yeah we don't like that, do we, Islamophobia? No good. Definitely don't um, like that. And basically, over the last year, year and a half, it's always been a problem, but a problem which has really kind of become bigger and bigger and bigger, certainly here in England since Brexit, uh, over in America since a certain orange moron started running for the White House. Uh, reported Islamophobic incidents have kind of skyrocketed to a ridiculous level. It's unacceptable. It's just basically bollocks. Um, But there are people who are trying to fight this in a really positive way. And some of those people are Floating House Recordings and the Unity Productions Foundation, who have announced that they are putting out a compilation album called Philia, Artists Rise Against Islamophobia. Uh, So the word philia comes from the Greek word for brotherhood. And essentially, what they've got is a load of artists from different uh, backgrounds coming together and making songs, not necessarily, uh, from what I've heard so far, completely about the issue at hand, but just kind of showing unity and showing a kind of fight together against a really uh, prevalent problem in our world right now. So you've got people like Mac DeMarco, Hamilton Lighthouser, uh, Small Leak Sink Ships, The Dodos, uh, loads of people who really, really great artists putting really interesting pieces of music on what is a compilation for a really great cause. Um, they're also going out across America and doing a load of uh, shows, and I believe there's going to be kind of uh, political speakers and stuff there in the afternoon of these shows, so you can kind of go along and really soak up uh, the the sort of culture and the issues at hand and kind of work out what we're going to do about this really really massive problem that we have got here in the kind of supposedly civilized west um i think basically it's just a really positive project and one that i really wanted to shout out because it comes out on the 18th of august so we're very much closing in on that date next friday right yes when this comes out it'll just be friday (laughs) (laughs) friday right yeah um so there's, there's not much of the music out of it yet. Uh, we've got 11 songs and only two have been released, one of which is the Hamilton Lighthouser song, which is called Song With No Name, which is uh, a Shane McGowan cover. But I'm not going to play that. What I'm going to play is Heems, which is a guy, a rapper, who uh, is an American of uh, Islamic heritage. Um, and this is a really, really hard-hitting track, like... Lyrically, there's some really, really pointed remarks that he makes and kind of um, observations he makes of growing up from that background uh, within 
I'm not quite sure which city he's grown up in, but, you know, the kind of issues that he's faced. But also, there's just a real rawness to it and a real energy to it. It's really biting and kind of... Um, it feels like it's really attacking the point and the issue head on. And I think um, if the rest of the album comes with as much bite as this particular song, then it's going to be a really, really amazing, powerful thing. Um, so what I'd like to do, really, is... Well, first of all, as I have done, highlight this really fantastic project to you, our listeners. But also, now, I would like to play the song and see what you think of it. Go for it. So I'm going to do that. Play small meals, no ordeals. Him, So there you have it. That was Heems with Blades. What did you think? Very, <clears throat> very good. Um, Heart-hitting in quite a few ways, isn't it? Just kind of sonically and uh, lyrically. And Yeah. There's a real impetus there. Um, and a real... You can feel it kind of fighting against something. Um, but I, I really love it as a track. And like I say, I think the, I think the project's great. But I'm also... Like say from a purely sonic uh, point of view, I'm interested to see that that's track number three on the track listing. Uh, Matt DeMarco opens it up, so just to sort of see how these tracks are going to lie together from a completely musical point of view, I think is also going to be really interesting. Yeah, especially as a compilation, you're probably going to get each song sounding very quite different, whereas you know some projects need to sound like they flow into others or whatever. Yeah, but I'm, I'm. thinking of this uh, I can't remember the name of it but there was a John Lennon compilation album with um, like yes. covers of songs and stuff I can't remember if it was all Imagine um, but I remember Jack Johnson bringing out a cover of Imagine and I think there was a few other people on there Jack had the Jack got it I think once and he had the t-shirt with a big John Lennon face on it and yeah, it, was just, it reminded me of that yeah yeah, nice one. So, uh, if any of you guys do want to go and pre-order, you can do that now. Uh, it is called Philia Rise Against Islamophobia, and it's out at the end of this month, or the end of this week, sorry. Yeah. It's out soon! <laughs> go buy it! Uh, that brings us to the end of our musical highlights of the week. Yeah. So observant listeners at home might have noticed that this episode is a little bit of a naughty number. (laughs) (laughs) What could we do? I mean, save it for later. (laughs) Not like that. Um, Basically, we haven't gone down the naughty route. We've gone down a much more obvious route. 69 conjures up certain images. In no small part. (laughs) Again, not that. (laughs) I'm talking about the summer of 69. Yeah. Not necessarily Brian Adams. We didn't get our first real six string. Um, No. The summer of 69 had what is kind of remembered as the biggest, best, most kind of um, euphoric music festival ever. Woodstock. 
Woodstock only went and bloody happened. A historic moment in music. One that is likely to never be beaten. Yes. And I always find that a bit weird because, like, you know, we've all watched the footage and stuff and you kind of wonder, like, what was it that was so magical about it? And maybe we're going to have a little dig into that right now. Yeah, maybe we will. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we won't because we weren't there. So we don't know. So let's just get on with it. Yeah. So what was Woodstock in 1969? I'll tell you. It was officially called uh, the Woodstock Music and Arts Fair. Fair to me. Already they're underplaying it. Yeah, right. Like, weird. Um, But it basically was this festival. took place on a milk farm in New York. On a milk farm in Bethel, I believe. Bethel, New York. Interesting name. Meant to run for three days. Actually ran for four rainy sometimes and lots and lots of people came potentially half a million people came yeah i think that was the thing about it wasn't it that um i think originally a hundred thousand tickets were sold uh and people just decided holy shit this big thing's going on that we've never experienced anything like it let's all just turn up and people came in their droves they did, and what happened, what ensued, is widely seen as kind of this pivotal moment in, I think, one, just kind of musical history, because you've got so many acts who now, you look at those names and see them all on the same bill, and it's just kind of mind-blowing that so many people would have been at the same thing over a weekend. But also, uh, it's kind of seen as this real kind of uh, countercultural moment in that you've got this huge kind of youth mm. um influx of people kind of really uh partly empowered by like the hippie lifestyle but also very much uh there to um preach a message of peace and um you know react to what was happening in the wider world obviously at that time america was at war in vietnam there was a lot of kind of um protest about that and i think this was seen as a real kind of seminal moment within that wider fight yeah um and just a beautiful thing and uh, as far as i can tell quite chaotic yeah i feel like from everything i've read in research for this episode like you've got people not turning up when they're meant to turn up not playing sets when they were gonna play sets you've got people sleeping everywhere taking drugs everywhere having sex everywhere i think just dancing in the rain taking their clothes off it all feels like a little bit Mad. It's like a madder Glastonbury. I mean, much madder, I think. Um, but I, I think we've, you know, you, have you seen that picture of the um, the couple standing on a hill, like wrapped yes. in a, a some kind of duvet, or <laughs> not a duvet, but something, and like everything looked, it was just like a big hill with a thing right in the background, yeah. and I feel like it was just such a chilled out festival so chilled that it lost all structure yeah. and scheduling. Yeah, it's just peace and love, man. Peace, peace and, and love. Peace and love. Um, yeah, I think people were just playing when they felt like it. I mean, there's The Who um, played like 12 hours after they meant to and like played the following morning. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, it sounds a little bit mad, but yeah. I don't think it's something that people cared about. No, they and, very much went along with it. Yeah, and I, I don't think anyone knew what they were getting themselves into as well. I think that's probably the other reason why it stands out to so many 
people who are there or performed there is like you know we know when we get back from Glastonbury or whatever it is you feel like you've been part of this little bubble mm. and sort of when you leave it everything that happened there feels like even more extraordinary it's like wow that was really incredible thing to be part of at the time and if your whole rest of your life is so far removed so uptight and so also you know so many things that you disagree with that you just happen to have these four days on a milk farm in new york where you were just in the rain and you didn't really care mm. with four hundred thousand like-minded people that that must you must take that away and just think wow what the hell was that? Oh, there will never yeah, be anything like that again. In I mean, now when we come away from festivals that do try to do a similar thing and you know do succeed, it's very uh, we know we know what we're going in for. It's something yeah. that's happened for years and years, and it's people tell very you. well like um, structured and whatever. Yeah, and people tell you when you go to kind. Yeah, and people tell you when you go to Glastonbury, it's going to be the best four days of your life. Yeah. No one probably said that when you're going to Woodstock. It's like oh, we're just going to go and. Here's some bands. But I think people are already having the best time ever just by knowing that they were going, by the looks of things. I've seen videos of people in the queues on the way there and stuff, and just people are already kind of elated at the fact that they're going. They're going bloody mad. Of course they are. Um, So what we're going to do this week is basically, uh, we're just going to play a load of music that was heard at Woodstock and maybe tell a few little tales that we've heard in our research. Because as I have to reiterate, we weren't there. So we're going to do, technically it went on for four days, but we're going to do a song each from each of the three days. Does that sound good to you, Harry? Yeah. Lovely. So would you like to go first with a Friday pick? I do. You um, do? Or you would? I would like to. <laughs> so a first pick of mine is somebody that... Uh, you would very much expect to be there if you... Because I think quite a few people had different a different take on what Woodstock was. Like some of the bands that we've looked into, we're quite surprised they're there or were there. Um, whereas, you know, a lot of people might have just thought it's a bit of a hippie fest. Um, so I saw that Ravi Shankar was there. A Indian music genius. Yes. Famously, friend of the Beatles. Friend of the Beatles, where he was, uh, I think, just two years prior, he um, he made his first pe- appearance to the Western world. I think it, uh, the Monterey International Pop Festival. Pop. Yeah. Uh, but he didn't fit From an invitation of George Harrison. Yeah. Um, would you say he didn't fit in? Yeah, a pop festival. Pop, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, people loved it. Um, and yeah, why I'm going for him is because you had, I think he would have become like, um, a really interesting, like it would have become a pivotal moment if you were a young drug taking like kid who had gone to this, you know, probably to New York from all over the country, most likely. Mm. Um, it can't have just been people in that state. Uh, but it just seems like from kind of outside looking in it seems for, it seems like it's one end of the spectrum to the other but it, it kind of fits perfectly in the middle like he he isn't necessarily what you'd expect there 
but it would have worked so well. It must have been, yeah, and it must have been amazing to uh, sort of be exposed to something so different to that, to what you're used to in such a kind of um, immersive way. Yeah, totally. Um, so, not knowing a massive deal, I will pick a song. Um, and I want to go with... So I'm going to play Dun. <laughs> Dun. Dun. Because I'm done with this week's episode. <laughs> From the Big Brother house. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this is Dun. <laughs> So that was Ravi Shankar playing at 10pm on a Friday night throughout the rain. The rain throughout the set. Uh, where were they before or where were they next? Tim, are you going to tell us? Well, the person I'm going to play was after a bit of Rav. Ooh. Uh, it is Melanie Safka. And the reason I want to play her is because there's just loads of little interesting stories that go into the fact that she played at 11 o'clock on the Friday that um, I really enjoy. Um, so she only she only played like seven songs. It was a really short, nice little set. Um, but essentially, when she did play, it was meant to be the Incredible String Band, um, but they refused to come on while it was raining. Uh, so she just kind of got thrown in there and she'd only been added to the lineup because she just happened to uh, share some offices uh, with the people who were putting on the festival in New York and had basically just twisted their arms and said, put me on. So she was there and she was ready to go uh, when the Incredible String Band pulled out. Um, oh. And then the next story is the fact that one of the songs she played was Mr. Tambourine Man, which is obviously a Bob Dylan song. And one of the things I really loved uh, when I was doing the research about Woodstock is the list of the people who either got invited to it and pulled out or didn't want to do it or for whatever reason because obviously I mean it must be one thing to have been like a music fan at the time and hear about what happened at Woodstock and missed out but yeah, to have been a musician who could have played there and didn't and then hear that there was this seminal moment that that must really really stick with you as like of course a, just such a huge regret um, like not buying that lottery ticket and then your numbers came up yeah exactly uh, so Bob Dylan was invited to play there um, and obviously that kind of upstate New York is very much his backyard um, but instead he signed in mid-July of that year to play at Isle of Wight really? music festival um, and set off on a ferry to come to Inc. well to, to the Isle of Wight uh, the day before Woodstock started um, and then the the even weirder thing about it, I mean, it all goes, it gets into all kinds of crazy places, but while he's on this ferry, um, his son got injured by a cabin door and his family disembarked. Crazy cabin door running all over <laughs> yeah. the ship. And then uh, he flew to England after that. Um, but he did once say in an interview that he had been unhappy about the number of hippies piling up outside his house nearby Woodstock. 
that week. Basically, it doesn't sound like he was a big fan. He had other plans, but um, he would have, I'm sure, even if he's not the kind of person to have said it, felt a little bit like the people there were kind of, you know, his people. And that could have been a real incredible moment, not just in his career, but in kind of um, the history of kind of, you know, the quote-unquote American songbook and just kind of popular popular music. It would have been a, an incredible thing for him to be there. Um, yeah. But Melanie Safka did keep him alive. She did play Mr. Tambourine Man, and I've watched the video, and it's a really, really beautiful rendition. Um, I don't know if you're going to play the audio from that next, or if you're just going to play her recorded version. Does she do it in a, a Dylan voice? No, she does it in a mm-hmm. really... <laughs> I mean, Dylan doesn't do Mr. Tambourine Man in a really... A Dylan voice. Um, <laughs> Mr. Tambourine Man. Uh, <laughs> I sound like again what we did the other week. Yeah. The monkey. Yeah. No, they're not good impressions. <laughs> you haven't come over this. This isn't bloody Alistair McGowan. This is tracks. <laughs> oh, that shit was good. Yeah, it was. Um, so here we go. This is Melanie Safka with Mr. Tambourine Man. Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man. Play a song for me I'm not sleepy And there ain't no place I'm going to Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man Play a song for me In the jingle jangle morning So, we've survived Friday. We are, uh... Slightly coated in mud, slightly wet, but ready to go again. It's Saturday. Harry, what are we listening to first? Uh, so, you know, we've we've had a lovely Saturday. It's uh, slightly better weather. Mm. Uh, not so much rain. Um, probably still a little bit dirty, though. We've taken some mushrooms, actually, today um, with some of the lads. And, All the lads. Uh, great set of lads We've just had a little walk around the woods and stuff. We've gone to see some great music. Um, so it's about seven o'clock. We're thinking, right, let's, uh, let's get on our boots and let's walk to go and see a band who I've wanted to talk about for ages. I love them. Uh, the band is Canned Heat. They played at about 7.30. Uh, Sunset was apparently 7.56. So they would have just kind of been right in that sweet spot, that little Goldilocks zone. Um, (laughs) and they played... A wonderful, wonderful set. Uh, one of the main reasons I'm picking this is just so I can play Going Up the Country because it's a song that kind of gets on every playlist I ever make regardless of what it is. Um, I will always play them. Uh, I think I first heard it on Skate 2. A skating game. <laughs> uh, skateboarding. And... I just really, really like it. The, the band are great. They, they are the kind of people that you would definitely see in this lineup and think, yeah. Um, so by 69, they'd kind of started adding psyche elements. Um, they are, were essentially kind of bluesy, acoustic-y bluesy. Um, but they started to add these kind of things in. And uh, they had a really good set list, seven songs. Uh, I think they played for... I think just under an hour because they ended on the song Woodstock Boogie, which was basically 30 minutes 
of just jamming. <laughs> Lovely. Amazing. Uh, I think you can find that song. Uh, it's on their album Boogie with Canned Heat, uh, 1968 release. Uh, the song is called Fried Hockey Boogie. So essentially you get something quite similar to that. But the song I'm going to play, and this will really take you back. Hopefully we've got some listeners that were there. Hmm. Maybe. Uh, we know we've got some um, listeners who are, how do we say, older than us. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it's possible we've got some New Yorkians as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure that's not what you call them. New Yorkians. New Yorkians. Um, New Yorkers, so, right? New Yorkers. Yeah, but I think that's m- maybe if you're from maybe. Manhattan, New York. I don't know. Who, who knows? <laughs> not, not us. Um, if you were there, we would absolutely love to know. Please let us know. That would be absolutely amazing. And we're not giving this justice. We would love you to tell us what it was actually like. I know. Um, Imagine, like, yeah, it's like some five-year-olds <laughs> Googling what, I don't know. Again, I'm going to talk about Glastonbury, but Googling what Glastonbury was like, and I was sitting there like, you know nothing. <laughs> yeah. They'd be like, there was sun and it was music. They'd be like, fuck off, you know nothing, you little shit. Um, so anyway, I'm You get a podcast play. then. <laughs> yeah. We worked hard for this platform. I don't want to listen to a podcast with five-year-old hosts. No, I'm talking and about the old people. We oh. do act like them. Oh, speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm going to play Going Up the Country by Can't Heat. It's a classic. Love it. Love it. That was Canned Heat with Going Up the Country, Tim. <laughs> Lovely. Um, so the next band that I'm going to pick is one that I felt like a, for a long time I should really uh, get into and get to know. And only just recently really started to. Inspired by um, one of our, I was about to say contemporaries as a podcaster, but then I thought that would really be blowing our trumpet. our contemporaries. Well, just like someone else who's a podcaster, basically. But it's Mark Maron, I mean. Oh, right. <laughs> We've both got podcasts. <laughs> One of our uh, colleagues. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, at the Podcast HQ. Um, but not only does he talk about this band very regularly, but loads of his guests do too. I feel like they're kind of a much bigger deal in America, potentially, than here. But... All the same, seen as significant. The band is the Grateful Dead. Oh, who, yeah, um, I've done the same with you. What do you mean? Sorry, I mean, I, I also think about them all the time that I should get <laughs> into them. Oh, yeah. So, a Californian band who, um, they're kind of seminal. Um, and just one of those people, the people of our generation, again, if, if people at Woodstock were getting annoyed at us talking about the festival and getting it wrong, then there's really a lot of people <laughs> listening and are going to get annoyed at me about talking about the Grateful Dead wrong. What I am saying is, again, having watched a load of footage from Woodstock, I was really, I was basically really taken aback by the footage of them playing this particular song. Uh, And it's made me kind of much more encouraged to finally do that uh, long overdue dig 
into what the Grateful Dead are all about. And become a deadhead. A I do deadhead. know that that's a yeah. thing. I've heard that loads of times. Yeah, instead of just a dead beat. Um, <laughs> so, so the story goes that they were late on stage uh, because their sound man was basically slightly terrified about the situation that they were about to walk into because the stage had kind of flooded uh, because of heavy rain. Their really heavy gear had kind of sunk what was a turnable stage. I don't really know what a turnable stage actually means. But essentially, they were walking out to absolute chaos and they were kind of worried about like getting electric shocks and stuff. But they went out there, played anyway. Um, and what sort of ensued was, to a lot of people, kind of a real standout of the festival. And the song that I want to play is uh, Turn On Your Love Light, which was their last song of the set but I've seen it termed in like four other places four different places sorry as kind of a just a everlasting rendition of this song they just absolutely jammed for ages kind of kept coming back into it kept going back out of it and you kind of you don't know where you stand I've seen kind of little clips of it um, and you can hear it come back into the heart of it but it's just kind of this amazing free flowing piece of music um, and I guess that kind of musically is what um, the whole thing was kind of about just freedom to express and to you know play songs that people are excited by and love but at the same time just do what you want to do so this is The Grateful Dead with Turn On Your Love Line without a warning you broke my heart taking a baby tore it apart and you left from a stand in in the dark your love for me was time So come on, baby, baby, please I'm begging you, baby So that was Grateful Dead bringing Saturday to a close. Harry, what should be the final day but actually isn't Sunday. Take us away. What are we listening to? Right. So we are listening to a super group now. And at the time, did people know it? No, they didn't, Tim. Do you know why? Because it was only their second time ever performing. And the first time they performed was just three days prior. Randy Hell. August the 17th. How did they even get booked? It's an outrage. No idea, mate. I think they were... Well, Joni Mitchell was their opening act in the Auditorium Theatre in Chicago on August the 17th. So that was... Blimey. But Joni Mitchell was big by that point. Well, it might have been like a... kind of not opening for them, but maybe it was like a thing they were all doing together. Madness. Um, So the band is... Sorry, the band... (laughs) The band consists of... Harry's broken. The band. <laughs> the band. The band consists of American singer-songwriter David Crosby and Stephen Stills and the English singer-songwriter Graham Nash. Who we've played before on the podcast. Who we've played before on the podcast. Uh, and also, Neil Young turned up, I believe, at the end. Lovely. Well, again, who we've played before on the podcast. Yeah. One of my absolute faves. So it's Crosby, Stills and Nash and Young. Nash <laughs> <laughs> and Young. <laughs> Great band name. It really uh, rolls off the tongue. Oh, it really does. Um, so I think this is quite funny because they would have been, well, 
they were a super group at the time, so they weren't necessarily up and comers. But as a thing, like they were in that bracket. They weren't somebody that people would have known everything to and Yeah. It was just a bit of a maybe it was just a bit of a random event to be actually going and seeing. Um I'm not sure when they played actually, but the website we use doesn't tell us that information. <laughs> <laughs> but they played a sixteen song set, which must have been like that's a lot of songs. That's yeah, like over you, an hour. Yeah, it's a, so a long that's time. Playing in the latter stages of the evening, I'm sure. Sunday did seem to be a longer set day. It did. It did indeed. Um, they played uh, a cover of Blackbird, the Beatles' Blackbird, which uh, can't have been even out for long. No, it's only, it would have only been a few years old at that point. And that was one of the things that when I was looking at this set uh, really stood out to me because one of my... Um, I, actually, I'm not even one of my... I think my favourite ever um, live musical experience yeah. was at the Isle of Wight Festival. Um Maybe five years ago, maybe even longer. God, I'm so old these days. But I, yeah, but I saw Paul McCartney there, um, and he played Blackbird on his own, just with a little guitar in front of how many thousands of people, and it was just the most stunning, incredible, perfect moment I could possibly imagine at a festival. And you know that was a pretty run of the mill, uh, normal weekend festival. It wasn't Woodstock. Yeah. So, like, what that must have felt like there, because it's such a beautiful, um, poignant, and just sort of tender, lovely song that, you know, it it can never fail to uh, be touching no matter where you hear it, but to hear it there must have just been, wow. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so I'm going to play uh, their opener, which was Sweet Judy Blue Eyes. It's sweet spelt like... Um, Sweat? No, it's spelt like a sweet, an on on sweet kind of thing. Oh, and it you just think it would be sweet, as in sweet blue Judy blue eyes. I don't know. It's just <laughs> I'm blue, sure there's something in there that I just don't know about. But it's just just getting on my fucking nut a bit. Anyway, so you've gone for the weirdest song that you don't really understand. Yeah, but it's uh, it's one of their biggest. Uh, I've got to admit, I don't know a lot about these uh, guys. Um, Apart from <laughs> Nash and Young. Can you tell, listeners? I don't think they'll be able to tell this. <laughs> Not the fact that I had to look up their names a hundred times. Um, so I'm going to play Sweet Judy Blue Eyes. Judy um, Blue Blood. And I know, because I haven't heard this yet, I know I'm going to recognise it when I hear it and sound like a twat. So just want you to know that I probably have heard this. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this is uh, Sweet Judy Blue Eyes. Judy Blue Blood. Crosby Stills and Nash. It's getting to the point where I'm no fun anymore. I am sorry. Sometimes it hurts so badly I must cry out loud. I am lonely. I am yours. You are mine. You are what you are. So moving swiftly but calmly on to your pick, Tim. Almost as if in that movement we are soaring. Soaring like an airplane. <laughs> a Jefferson airplane. Well done. That's where Good I'm segue. going. 
Um, yeah, I've saved the entire episode with that one little link. Don't I? I think so. Um, that's what the people on the streets are saying. Um, those people out there. Uh, I'm going to be pretty swift with this. Essentially, we all know about Jefferson Airplane. Mm-hmm. A huge act out of San Francisco. Um, and they'd really blown up in the couple of years before Woodstock was. So we're kind of one of the really anticipated acts there. And they played a kind of mammoth 13 song, I believe, going on for two hour set. Um, again, a bit like the Grateful Dead, loads of kind of just breaking it down, making it really, really interesting and exciting with their kind of unique brand of uh, psychedelia, essentially. Um, it was earlier in the day than your particular pick. And I imagine it just kind of brought the spirits up. And the song that I want to play is the penultimate song of their set, which is White Rabbit. It's by far my favourite Jefferson Airplane song, although there's so many to choose from. And I think it's kind of just a perfect way for me to pick pick to finish my pick picks. <laughs> <laughs> picks. Oh, it was all going so well. Yeah, I know. I did well there. <laughs> Shame. Here's Jefferson Airplane. One So there you have it, that was the kind of brilliantly eerie, haunting sound of White Rabbit by Jefferson Airplane. And that brings us to the end of our Woodstock weekend. I know it did go on for another day, I know loads of other things happened there, but as you may have guessed by this point, we were a little bit in over our <laughs> shoulders on this one. In over our heads, if you will. It's not shoulders. <laughs> I think we've got concrete blocks tied to our feet at this stage. We're sinking fast, and quite frankly, if um, the Coast Guard doesn't come save us soon, we're goners. Yeah, although Um, I would quickly like to say that, Tim, can you hear people screaming really quietly in the background? Because... I'm worried where this is going. You'll you'll understand (laughs) within seconds of me saying this, there's people screaming, you've missed someone out. We've missed someone out. We have but missed someone. Yeah, we missed loads of people out. We only picked six out of... Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we missed a <laughs> bloody boatload. But there's, you know, the people screaming in the background that you can't hit in. That's in yeah. my head, which is worrying. Um, I'm getting comfortable here. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, they're screaming for somebody's name. Who, who might that be? Who might be taking us out, Tim? Um, I've got a massive ego, so I'm just hearing people screaming my name. <laughs> Tim! Tim! <laughs> Tim! Yeah, I hear that everywhere I go. <laughs> purely because Do it, Tim. no, purely <laughs> no, because my my name sounds a lot like him. So oh. anytime anyone's talking about a male who's not there, I was like, "Did you tell him? Did you did you do that? Him for him?" I think you're just obsessed with yourself. Yeah, I mean that me? as well. Did you tell me? Right. Tell me what? Yeah, tell me. The... But huh? also, it is a it's a blessing and a curse. Anyway, okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> So I drop that in there <laughs> while you were trying to do a good ending. It's fine. So if it's not my name, yeah. not my name, not my name. My name is Michael Kane. 
and I'm a nosy neighbour. <laughs> Michael um, Caine. That was awful. <laughs> Michael, I'm really good at Michael Caine as well. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Michael. Let's just move on. Who are we talking about? But <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm guessing if they're not screaming my name, then it's probably the name of one uh, Jimmy Hondrox. Jimmy Hondrox. Yeah. Yes. The funny thing about Jimmy is that apparently he played on the like fourth day at like 9am when most people have gone home. <laughs> How annoying. <laughs> Which is a little bit like this uh, episode. Most people have stopped listening. <laughs> it's almost like we planned it. <laughs> <coughs> Jimmy will never get the audience he deserves. <laughs> He's up there in heaven, listen. Like, not again. <laughs> Woodstock 2 again. <laughs> oh. oh dear. Uh, yeah, what song are we playing him out with? Uh, what do you think? <laughs> no. <laughs> Just play it in the background. I've been Tim. I've been Harry. This has been Tracks, and we promise we'll be better next week. We'll see you later. <laughs> Ta-ra. Bye. <laughs>